0: Praise the Lord. Let's uh, get into the word. And before we do, uh, y'all know what I like to do. I like to uh, just give a brief word of prayer to the Lord before we get started. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much. I thank you so much for uh, the people here today, Father God. And I thank you for the people at home, Father, and who are are watching on our our Facebook Live. Uh, We're all family, and through you, our connectedness to each other through you, we are still congregated together and we're still one big church family in Jesus name. And so, so, so we love you. And father, as we get into your word, just speak to us, Lord, concerning your word, uh, uh, convict us that we would regard your word as it is deserving to be father God, that it would not, we would not be hearers only, uh, but we would endeavor to be doers of it, uh, uh, to glorify you in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. So, uh, uh, we're going to really start in the Book of Exodus, chapter thirty-three. That's, that'll be the main uh, passage uh, today. But I'm, I want to talk about the presence of God today, and and how important it is that we that we acknowledge acknowledge His presence. <laughs> oh Exodus chapter 33 we're going to start going to eventually start at the first verse but before I start there um I want to reference a few I want to make reference to uh some incidents in in the Bible one of them we're going to get to um there are a number of instances in the Bible where groups of people experienced the same situation. But their responses differed in those situations. And in some of those cases, the response differed based on whether or not they recognized or acknowledged God's presence with them in that situation or not and it may seem like that's not a significant deal here but I want to I want to emphasize to you that it is now think about Exodus think about when Moses went by command of God to go into Egypt and tell Pharaoh let my people go Moses went into Egypt Moses knew that God was with him right Moses knew that God was in Egypt with him. Now, the children of Israel who had been in bondage for hundreds of years didn't necessarily know that. And Pharaoh sure didn't know that, right? But God was present. Even though the children of Israel were still in bondage and had not yet been delivered, God was there with them in the situation. And I know our emotions tell us oftentimes we feel like if it's good, if we're pleased with it, if it's if it's something that excites us and really stimulates us and so forth, oh, we really feel God. But when there's hardship involved, when there is stuff that going on that is not palatable to us, that is a struggle, that is hard, it feels to us that God is not with us. but I want to encourage you today to not allow the emotions to be our preachers not allow our emotions our emotions declarations to be the thing that we place our faith in but that we remain rooted in the truth of the word of God Psalm 139 says where can I go from your presence. I can't go anywhere. If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I go up to the uttermost parts of the earth, you're there. I I can't go anywhere where the presence of God is not. He's everywhere all the time, right? So, so if that is the case, then he's with me in whatever I encounter, right? He's with me wherever I am. He's with me. His presence is with me while i'm contemplating whatever decision that i'm about to make and i tell you what if i had thought like this during some of the decisions that i made in my younger life i'd have made different decisions if i'd have thought you know what god's here acknowledging the presence of god can have a tremendous effect on our psyche a tremendous effect on our mindset as we're considering the issues of life that we're confronted with. And I say it's it's critical to our walking with God through the things that we have to face in life. So, he's called us to be not of the world, but he still called us in it, right? And we're going to have to represent him in it and we're going to have to stand strong in the midst of a perverse world. We're going to have to stand strong in the midst of the enemy's attacks and the enemy trying to advance his dark plan in the world because he's called us to make disciples. He's called us to reach the lost. Amen. He's called us to advance the kingdom and 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 to break down the enemy's gates to then set the captives free, right? So, there's resistance. There's combat in that. There is resistance in that. There is battle there is hardship in that and we're going to have to be willing to stand and be willing to walk through and overcome those challenges and hurdles at the enemy he's not just going to give them to us right and so but you know what we just have to be undeterred we just have to be uh determined that uh, we're going to do in obedience what our God has called us to do and so God was present. I know I'm doing a lot of setting up here, but before we get into uh, chapter 33, remember this follows <clears throat> the deliverance of the children of Israel, the parting of the Red Sea, destroying Pharaoh's armies, and he took the children of Israel to the cusp, right on the edge of the promised land. God was ready to give them the promised land, but they sent scouts in there, twelve of them, Joshua and Caleb are the only two that came back with a good report, the other ten came back with a bad report, and what happened, the bad report, when they told them what those people look like over there, those giants, yeah, God's right, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, but there's something else there he didn't tell us about. They make us look like grasshoppers. They're so big. They're people of war. We don't stand a chance against those people. See, what they what they made the mistake of doing was envisioning themselves going into the promised land but they didn't see the presence of God going with them. They saw those challenges. They saw those problems but they divorced those problems from the presence of God in their lives and it caused them to make a decision that was disastrous. Amen? It was God's will to give them the promised land the first time. They chose not to go in there. They convinced themselves out of fear, out of doubt, out of unbelief. They convinced themselves not to go and as a matter of fact, they convinced themselves that God brought them this far just to kill them. Don't act like you haven't thought that sometimes. Felt like God brought you somewhere and then things get real hot and you feel like he's abandoned you but he'll never leave us nor forsake us but after that decision God put them in the wilderness and they were in that wilderness for 40 years roughly they were in their wilderness for a generation you know and I really feel like what I get out of this, why did they have to go there? Why did they have to go there for 40 years? What was the purpose of putting them there? I felt like God made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The children of Israel were going to the promised land. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about that. They were going there. But there was this hindering force. This hindering force. These people that had known slavery, bondage, hardship. They'd known, they'd known a life without God, without walking with God their whole lives. And here is God wanting to walk with them. He want, wanting them to walk with him. He's wanting to lead them into the fulfillment of the promise and yet you've got this, this, this generation that's bucking against him the whole time because they don't know what it is to walk with God. They don't know what it is to live a life where you're trusting with God and you know what he took them into the wilderness guess what that that hindering force again a generation mostly died off in that wilderness and what came up in its place a generation that grew up knowing nothing but the provision of the Lord knowing nothing but God walking with God and trusting in God and allowing God to bless them and provide for their needs God being their mighty power. So, so, so they were a little bit more familiar with being able to not see themselves in their weakness, but to see the strength and might and power of their God, who didn't even allow their shoes or their clothes to wear out in 40 years. Who fed them manna from heaven, who made sure uh, who made sure that they had food, clothing, shelter, and that they were protected and uh, I really felt like God really spoke that to me that that's that there were times in my life that I went through wilderness experiences because just like this generation that generation had to die so that a generation that knew how to trust God could trust him and go into the promised land and fulfill the promise. But there were times and there have been many times in my life where I am binding the devil, not because it's, if I don't like it, it can't be God, right? So I don't like what I'm going through. I don't like what I'm dealing with. So I'm assuming hey, this ain't God. Devil, you're a liar. And I'm doing it and nothing is changing. And then one time the Lord really spoke to me (laughs) And, and, and made it clear that he was doing a work in my life. And he told me, son, he, he spoke to me through that passage and he said, son, there are some things in you that have got to die in order for me to take you where I want to take you. And I, and so I began to see those things. You know what? There are wilderness experiences in my life that God would lead me into. And they're not going to be fun. And they're not going to be pleasant. They're not going to be something I want to linger in and and stay in for a long time. But you know what? God has put me in those situations for my good. For my benefit. Because he has a purpose. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for my life. And he knows it is important that I go through this. And if I will humble myself before him and allow him to do the work. If I will allow to die what needs to die, whatever character that is, whatever selfishness there, there is, whatever it is, whatever of the flesh of me that needs to die, I, I, I you know, I, I wanted to die in that experience and I don't want it to take 40 years. So I would encourage you, to, I would encourage you, one, don't believe that God isn't with you because even in that wilderness, God was with them. He sent them there for 40 years but he was with them there for 40 years. Don't make the mistake of believing that God isn't with you in your hardship in your trial. Don't make the mistake of don't make that mistake. Usually that's our flesh talking. You need to bring that flesh under subjection and remind yourself of what is true and right from the word of God. Are you hearing me? And so now, and I'm sorry, I see some people fanning and every, uh, that have been fanning and so forth. You see, I'm already sweat. The AC was not turned on. It's turned on now. Thank you, Johnny. <laughs> so, or Johnny and Marty, thank you guys. Uh, the AC is turned on now. Uh, it may be, it may be good and right, right about the time I say the final amen. So, <laughs> but we did what we could do. All right. So, Now the hindering influence has died. Now a new generation has raised up and now God comes here in verse one of of Exodus thirty three and it says the Lord said to Moses depart go up from here you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham Isaac and Jacob saying to your offspring I will give it. So now God is telling him it's time to get out of the, out of the wilderness. It's time to go inherit the promised land. I will send, but there's a little thing here that kind of distresses people. He says in verse two, I will send an angel before you and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey but, everybody say but, I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. <laughs> you know, that's not what I want to hear from God. <laughs> you know, so God remembers the way that they were in Egypt, the way that they were after they got delivered from Egypt, the way they were at the Red Sea, the way that they were between the Red Sea and on the cusp of the promised land, how they were stiff-necked the entire time. And let's not forget there's a time when Moses went to go be with God and he stayed longer than they expected him to and what did they do? They got impatient. They was like, well, you know, God's they associated God's presence with him when he was gone they felt like God was gone what'd they do they made they, they made a golden calf they made their own God they made their own idol and God came this close to just wiping them out and starting over but that wasn't his heart to do I mean so he's got good reason to call them stiff neck but, but, but think about this he says I'm going to send an angel before you it's time for you to go but I'm not going with y'all because you know what? I will consume y'all on the way because y'all are stiff neck. <laughs> y'all are stiff neck, boy. And, and when they, when, when they heard that is when the people, when they heard this disastrous word, that would be, that's very well stated. I would consider that a disastrous word if he was referring to me and my obstinance, whatever you want to call it. Now, Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So you see, Moses, he communed with God. Moses acknowledged and respected and and revered the presence of God. He knew how important God was. So he knew God was with them. It's important, right? And he met with God regularly in the tent of meeting and God spoke to him face to face as a man speaks to his friend. That's the kind of relationship God wants to have with each and every one of us. He wants to speak with us face to face as a man would speak to his friend. You know? And so, it's good to read your Bible. You better be reading your Bible. You know? You, you know, you better endeavor to, to, to walk in obedience to God's Word. But you know what? We got to value, cherish, hunger for, seek after the presence of God in our lives. And we have to commune with Him in such a way that we're ever mindful, ever thoughtful of His presence with us at whatever stage of life we're in, in whatever situation we're in, he is with us. Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, well, Moses was real with God, man. See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you've also found favor in my sight. He's saying, this; he's quoting God's words back to him. God said of Moses, I know you by name. You have found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, here goes Moses' prayer. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. He wants to know him. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. I love that. That's the cry of Moses' heart. Lord, I'd rather be in your presence. I'd rather remain here in the wilderness in your presence than to go to the promised land without you. And I want to ask you the self-examination, no hand raising, no outing yourself or whatever, but I want you to self-examine whether you're in that place. Whether you are willing, if it's God's will for you, to be in the wilderness in his presence, than to be in sunshine and happiness and splendor and so forth without him. There are a lot of pursuits that we have in life but and, and, and uh, those pursuits in and of themselves are not bad unless they warp our perspective and those things become more important than God. Because scripture says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Right? And so uh, uh, apart from him we are and can do nothing. So, Moses' heart appeal to God and God said my presence will go with you and I will give you rest and he said to him if your presence will not go with me do not bring us up from here for how man this is so awesome for how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight I and your people is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct We are distinguishable. We are peculiar. Is it not in that you, uh, is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Praise God. Praise God. And so, It is critically important that we learn this from him. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, I'm back. Praise the Lord. And so uh, that the heart reflected by Moses here is the heart that that God would have us have toward him. I value your presence God. I I cherish your presence. I I crave your presence. I I seek your presence. So much so that I would rather be in the wilderness or hardship with your presence than to be in, in, in plenty and to be in whatever happiness and so forth whatever that worldly term however the world world would defy ha- define happiness I'd rather be in hardship with your presence than to be in good situations without you and you know as I was there we go I want to make a reference to uh, King David. Very familiar passage. I'm not, I'm not going to have you go there. I'm not even going to reference the passage. I'm just going to talk about the story. Everybody knows about David and Goliath, right? We learned that in, in, in Bible school, Bible study, and children's church, and so forth. But when I was studying this, that story came to mind uh, in, in, in this light of acknowledging God's presence. You know, uh, if if I haven't said it uh, specifically, I'll say it now. The presence of God must be acknowledged, one, and responded to. Properly responded to as well. And so, when you think about it, David comes on the scene. You already got King Saul and his armies there up against the the Philistine army and they're kind of right now they're in a break between hostilities and an offer was made by the Philistine champion Goliath that was often done back then you know the the two combating armies you know that they would get together and they would be like well you know what let's try and spare all this unnecessary loss of life you know let's just get our best guy, you get your best guy, they fight against each other and whoever wins, they're declared the winner and the other one is declared the loser. So it wasn't uncommon for such a an offer to be made. But Goliath comes out and he's their champion and he is an opposing guy. I mean, he's over nine feet tall, he's, a, he's just, he's a monster. And so he's mocking the armies of Israel. He's taunting them. He's mocking their God. And he's saying bring out your champion to fight me. Now, David wasn't little David. I'm just gonna call him little David. Little David, he was not called by God to go there to fight Goliath. Read the story. He was just sent there by his dad to go take some provisions to his brothers and to bring back a report to his dad about the well-being of his brothers. He just happened to come up on the scene while he was there talking to his brother, getting chastised by his brother. While he was talking to his brother, all of a sudden, Goliath comes out there like he had been doing for a whole month every day, coming out, issuing the challenge. And he, this little little David, comes out there and he sees it from a totally different perspective than Saul and his army did. Saul and his army, they wouldn't move. Their knees were shaking. They looked at this guy and they said, not one of us can handle this guy. They're looking at him. They're looking at the situation apart from God. God's presence was not acknowledged there. And because God's presence was not acknowledged there, they were looking at at their ability to combat this guy in their own strength, in their own ability, and saw themselves lacking. Saw themselves coming up short. David comes in. He spends time with God. He's always in the presence of God. He doesn't do anything where he does not acknowledge God's presence. He comes in and he sees it in light of God's presence. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Y'all did him talk like this. Y'all gonna let him talk to the army of God this way? You're gonna let him talk about God? He has no covenant with God. We have covenant with God. God is here with us. Are we gonna let him? Somebody challenge this dude. And nobody. All these seasoned men of war. No one. Even the king himself. King Saul was over seven feet tall himself. He was head and shoulders above everybody else. So he wasn't a little man, but none of them saw this situation in light of God's might and God's ability. They only saw it in light of them versus him. And so they're paralyzed, sitting there just taking it. And little David comes along and he has an acknowledgement of the presence of God. And this little guy who has never seen a day of war in his life was so passionate. He was so inspirational. He was so full of conviction that, think about this, if they lose, if whoever goes up against this massive champion loses, Israel surrenders to the Philistines. I mean, it couldn't get more on the line. It couldn't get more high stakes than that. And somehow, this little dude that has not fought, has not been trained, he has not had a day of war, doesn't know how to use weapons, doesn't even know how to wear armor, somehow convinced the king to put the fate of the kingdom (laughs) in his hands against this guy they all were too afraid to fight. Put yourself in the seat of the king and imagine what it would take for you to be convinced to let that guy be your Michael Jordan in space jam. I think a lot of people got that one. No, but think about that. This was all on the line here. And somehow it's like, man, look at how much conviction. Something about him must have convinced Saul that this little guy could do it. And I, I would bet that Saul got convicted to a little, to, to to a degree he knew he did, he wasn't there he didn't have that faith he didn't acknowledge God where he was. he already struggled in his walk with God, but he knew there was something about this kid. he was peculiar he was he was different he didn't talk like everybody else he didn't see things like everybody else he knew full well what God could do now David did in his appeal he said look I, i've defeated a lion and i've defeated a bear, you know, and I tell you what This that guy over there his head is coming off (laughs) in in, in the name of the Lord today so he's like basically he knew the Lord will give me victory over him he knew who fought for him he knew who his victory was, was centered and rooted in and so he showed no doubt he had no doubt as to what the outcome would be and so he could argue with with conviction and asking the king for permission to allow him to step up and into the void that no one else was willing to step into, are you seeing that, or you're hearing that rather? We didn't go there. And I want to point out to you, God was present in that situation before David showed up. I want you to think about that. He was there before he showed up and took off Goliath's head. His presence just wasn't being acknowledged before David showed up. It's not the reason David was sent there. Not the reason Jesse sent him there. So he didn't go there to fight. But when he observed the army of Israel cowering to Goliath, he acted in faith, knowing that his God would give him the victory. I want you to go to Psalm 23. It's a short psalm, but a very familiar one. I'm just going to read through it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters. goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This psalm speaks about the presence of God to me. It's probably not an exhaustive list of what it speaks about but in this context it speaks about the presence of God the power of his presence, the provision of his presence. I get a mental picture of a sheep saying these words to his shepherd as his shepherd is leading him through the valley of death. The shepherd's rod and staff can't comfort the sheep unless the shepherd is also present in the valley of death. Right? So, the shepherd is with the sheep in the, valley of the, in, in the valley of death. The shepherd is with him. And if the shepherd and sheep are both there, then they're there by the will of the shepherd. Or so I will say. They're there by the will of the shepherd. But it's not like they intend to take up Residence in that valley. Look at what it says there, you know. It, it, you know, they're just passing through it. And while they're passing through it, the sheep can take comfort in the presence of his shepherd. Yeah, you got to go through it. But there's a presence there with you. Your heavenly Father, your 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 Lord and Savior is there with you. The 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 spirit of the living God is there with you. Amen? The one who will never leave you nor forsake you is in the valley with you. and But you're just passing through it. And while they're passing through it, you can take comfort in the presence of the shepherd. He knows that his shepherd, rod and staff, will protect him and provide for him. Prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemy. So you know there's protection and provision from our shepherd in the valley. And that protection and that provision, He will continue to provide along the way as you're walking through that valley of death. You see, and I want to encourage you because some of you may be going through some hardships right now, and and you know we we're, we're in a situation now that with the with the COVID thing that's gone on um, for uh, for for months now, and. And who knows where it's going to go from here. But, you know what? Our God wasn't surprised by it. He's not overwhelmed and intimidated by it. And you know what? He, his name is above its name. (laughs) Amen? And so, and his authority supersedes. His, his, His authority rules over even it. Amen? And so, we're in good hands. So, even though we're in this valley, we're not in this valley solo. We're not in this valley alone. We're in this valley with our great shepherd. Amen? And so, we can trust God that he will protect us and he will provide for us while we're in this valley. You see, the valley of death is not a never-ending place. There is an other side. You ain't got to say amen, but are you hearing me? You know? When you're in it, it may seem like it'll never end, but there is an other side to the valley of death. There, there, There's an other side. We can and will get to that other side. Our shepherd would lead us through it to the other side. There is there is overcoming. There is victory. Amen? Now, it requires endurance and and perseverance and there's some things we'll have to put up with along the way, but but whatever we encounter, God's there. If the enemy shoots his arrows, he shoots those darts and so forth, that shield, that protector is there. If there, if there is lack or want and there is need there, then his provision, he'll make a way. And so we can trust him in it and that his presence should be a comfort to us. Like the, the presence of the shepherd is a comfort to the sheep. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that rod and thy staff comfort me. Well, if the rod and staff were just laying there with no shepherd wielding them, it wouldn't be any comfort. So, the rod and staff are in the shepherd's hands. So, if protection or provision or guidance is needed, I can trust that my shepherd's going to get me through this valley. Are you hearing me? Imagine, I started off by saying there are some decisions in my life that I kind of wish I had back. Imagine how different some of our actions or decisions would be if we but first acknowledged the presence of God in our lives, the presence of God in the midst of that situation. Psalm sixteen eleven says in your presence is fullness of joy that comes with God's presence you know what I want joy I want the joy of the Lord the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength amen and so I want the fullness of joy that can only come in his presence Matthew twenty-eight verses 19 and 20, familiar passages, uh, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. So again, your emotions, your feelings, in these situations, may tell you a different story. But I want you to remind yourself against the uh, 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 of the truth of God's word. What did God say? When, when, when Satan tries to come in and plant those thoughts in your head, say, your God has abandoned you. You're all alone in this valley of death. Where is your God? Then you need to be able to speak the truth, wield the sword of the spirit, the word of truth, and tell him, my God is right here in the midst with me as is his protection, as is his provision. I'm in the valley of death right now, but this is not my permanent home. This is not my residence. This is just a throughway. I'm on my way to God's purpose and plan for my life. I've got a place, I've got a place that God has marked out for me to go and I will get there. In Jesus' name, I will get there. I, I may have to go through the valley of death to get there, but I'm getting there. Okay, this will not be the death of me. This will not be my defeat because my God is already giving me victory over you. Amen. And so, and so, we need to speak to the enemy, and we need to, we need to combat those lies that he tries to plant in our minds. John fourteen sixteen, Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. Amen. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him. Amen. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Amen. And so I want to encourage you today. Let's acknowledge the presence of God in wherever we're at and whatever we're in and so forth. You know and and I I don't think I'm going to be stepping on any toes on anyone in here though, but, but uh, this is a little extra. No, but let's just be focused on the presence of God. Let's focus on what is what is pleasing to to the heart of God. Uh, uh, how can I just walk in obedience to him and, and, and trust him as I walk in the faith, the measure of faith that I have you know we have some people here today all right and uh, who love the lord who are precious members of this new covenant fellowship family and 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 and, and, and other churches that are represented here today and so forth we have uh, uh precious members of the family of god here in attendance today but you know what we also have precious members of the family of god that are watching on facebook right now who don't feel comfortable being here. Now, I would challenge us not to waste our times judging one another from different sides of the uh, pandemic fence. All right. Let, let, let's not waste time trying to compare and contrast who's in faith and who is not. You know what? Let's just believe God's ability to lead us individually you know than to what he's called us to do we're at different places in our lives we're all in different circumstances and so you know what let's lift each other up let's elevate each other let's let, let's build one another up and encourage us in our faith right and so you know so so if you're so if you're at home and and you're in your uh sheltering and in shelter in place either by uh instruction governmental instruction or because you're doing it on yourself because you're just not comfortable coming out yet. I'll say, praise God either way. Bless you where you're at. right. And I'll tell you what, I I will just tell you just seek God. Get in his presence. Seek God and see what God is speaking to you. And do it. Do it. You don't have to please me. You don't have to, we don't have to please one another. Do what God is telling you to do. And, and, and I would say, you know, don't, don't let the enemy stir the pot. You know, when you're hearing those thoughts and, and those thoughts are, are, are uh, pointing the finger at another brother or sister and, 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 and is tempting you to uh, be critical of or judge what they are or are not doing, you know, that's just the enemy trying to get you to partner with him and being an accuser of the brethren and you just tell the enemy, I will not do that. Alright? That is my brother. That is my sister in the Lord. And so, uh, if, I, if I get to a point where I think that they're struggling and they're not in faith, guess what? I'm going to take that to God. I'm not going to try and sit in God's seat. <laughs> Alright? And, 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 and point the finger of judgment at them. I will lift them up in prayer and intercede for them and, and, and trust God's trust God's working in them. Amen. So I just want us, the body of Christ. All right. Let's, let's behave like we're family. Let's, let's regard one another like we're family and we really love and care about each other. That we all serve the same heavenly father. That we're all of the same spirit. That, that, that we are in the spirit of unity and the bond of peace. That it does exist within the body of Christ. Because, you know, that is a distinctive quality that is a peculiarness there that we can go across denominations, we can go across different fellowships, and we can can love one another as God commanded us to love one another, even those we might disagree with on some issues and so forth, because we are in the same body, we're saved by the same savior, Jesus Christ, his precious blood on that cross at Calvary, we have the same heavenly father. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in us. Amen? And 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 scripture says that by this shall the world know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So if you're tempted in any way you know if you're at home and you're thinking we're a bunch of idiots for being out here, or if you're out here and you think that people are not being in faith and they're cowards for not being out here and so forth. If you're tempted in any way, just just realize that that's not loving one another. You know, let let's reject that. Let's renounce that, and 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 let's just let's just go before God and and give it to God and 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 decide that we're determined that we're going to obey God. In esteeming others and loving the brothers and sisters in the Lord, Amen. We're not going to partner with the with the enemy against our own brothers and sisters in the Lord. I want to ask you to stand as I close in prayer. Yes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) ma'am. I don't have anything. Uh, The Lord gave me a word. Uh, He said, yes, we are in a wilderness, and it's not the same trip for everyone. Yes, it's a refining fire. I desire to consume you with my love for my plan and purpose. Yes, this is a shaking. I shake my church body first. But have no worry and have no fear. Choose each day who you will serve. Thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Eloise. Thank you. Man, God is good. That's a great word. Thank you, sister. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father God, we again we thank you for this time, Father. Thank you for visiting us in a mighty way, Father. Uh, thank you for speaking to our hearts, Father. Thank you for for, for comforting us and, and for strengthening us in this moment, Father God, in this time of need. Because, uh, Father God, truly, we have experienced ourselves that you are a very present help in time of need. And so, Father God, we we exalt you. We say thank you. We give you glory. Father, We I ask you to bless your people here today, Father God. Those here and those listening father God on uh, on Facebook live and, or through the podcast, I just ask you to bless your people, Father God, as they as they listen to the worship, Father God, that they will participate, lift their hands where they're at. Father God, and just go after you. As they hear the word, Father God, that, that the word would resonate and they would receive it in their hearts, Father God, and, and, and it will become real to them, Father, and they will act on that truth. It will, it will internalize it and make it a part of their lives, Father God. It will become part of who they are. I just walk in the presence of God. I walk with God. I walk in the way of the Lord and I love my brothers and sisters. I love others. Uh if if I'm going to wear a mask, even if I'm not afraid of COVID, I'm going to wear a mask when I'm out and about because I don't want to be a stumbling block to those who have that who have that fear. I don't want to be a stumbling block to those who are out there working on the front lines. Father, I just pray that you would make us other oriented that we would behave as Christ would if he were walking this earth, going through this situation with us right now, Father. And so so, we just acknowledge your presence in our lives. I uh, pray that we acknowledge your presence in every facet of our lives, Father. Uh, and that you are ultimately glorified in it. Uh, uh, bless your people, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Alright. Love you guys. Lord bless you and uh, see you next week.